I'm Art Miller. This is Art Class, and it's about to begin. Please take your seats. This is the Lake Forest Podcast. Welcome to the Lake Forest Podcast, a podcast about the lovely city of Lake Forest, featuring topics like local news, sports, music, people, food, and history. My name is Pete, and I'm joined with my co-host, Lake Forest history legend, Arthur Miller. And we all live in Lake Forest. But before we start our class, we have a sponsor for the show, Dakota Insurance Group. They've got your back. Why? Because that's what friends are for. Dakota Insurance handles all your residential and commercial insurance needs. Get a quote now. Visit dakotainsurancegroup.com. Okay, one of the goals of the podcast is for our listeners to learn just a little bit more about Lake Forest. Well, who better than to teach us about Lake Forest history than Lake Forest history legend Arthur Miller? Okay, everyone, take your seats, fold your hands on top of your desk. Our class is about to begin. Hey, Art, how you been? Well, I've been just fine. Thank you. And thank you for having me on again today. And um, this, this week, we're going to kind of follow up on the one on the, the, the class I did, which was about um, some of the African-American history, older history of the town. One of the things that's interesting is I, that that came out of really work that I did 25 years ago. First, it was a, uh, a website kind of thing that was put up on the archives website at Lake Forest College. It was mostly aimed at um, African-American students who came into town who didn't, you know, the place was completely alien to them. The college started recruiting black students in the 60s. It was like they were going to like Oz or, you know, someplace yeah. very alien to them. It was maybe the first time they ever realized that everybody wasn't African-American and that there were places where there weren't any African-Americans. So it was to give some some backing to that. Uh, there was also a pamphlet done around 1997 that kind of boiled that down. So now I'm kind of coming back to that topic. And one of the things that didn't come up in that period, because it was really not history yet, was uh, Mr. T. And he had, he'd gotten, he'd made himself notorious in in, in 1987, by chopping down the trees on his estate. Now, people chop down trees all the time in lots of places, and including right. Lake Forest. There was a backstory on his. So the questions are, what was that backstory? Why did he do it? Um, what were the local results of his doing it? Why did he leave town a decade later? And what happened to him after he left town in the 1990s? And what happened to the property even after that? Uh, they, yeah. Those are all little strains I'm going to follow up on. Because it's an interesting period. It's an interesting time. And it was an event that made national headlines and news. At yeah. the time. That's really where we're headed. And then what, how is this relevant today? What would, happen, what would happen if the same thing happened in Lake Forest today? Um, <laughs> so... It's kind of, it's worth thinking about and thinking about some of the background on it. So who was Mr. T? First off, he was, he was born in Chicago, May 21st, 1952. He was named Lawrence Turow. Uh, That's spelled the French way, T-U-R-E-A-U-D. And I'm pronouncing it Turow. Best known, he was best known as an actor and TV personality after about 1980. And he had previously been a boxer, a bouncer, I'm sorry, a boxer, a bouncer, and a life um, a bodyguard. Uh, he was the youngest of 12 children, 
grew up in the former Robert Taylor Homes. Many of us remember it in Chicago. It was not a garden spot on the south side, State Street. Kind of rough. Grew up there in the 1950s. It probably wasn't as rough as when I got here in the 1960s. His father was a minister, but left when he was five. And so he shortened his name, at least the spelling of his name, to T-E-R-O, Tarot, which was just kind of anglicizing um, the French, the long, fronty France looking French name. But in right. 1970, he changed his name to T to Mr. T. And this it's based on the Mr. part is based on an early impression. This is coming from the wiki page and from okay. IMBD, I think it is, because it, it was an early impression of his of a lack of respect for his family by white people. In high school, he played football, wrestled, and studied martial arts. Probably more useful than some of the things we studied in high school. I took three years of Latin. Didn't really make a big difference in my life. So he, he majored in those things. He then was in the Army by 1975, became an MP until around 1977, got out of the Army. Was a bouncer on Rush, in a Rush Street club. In dingbats. Chicago. Yeah, dingbats, which is... You know, significant. It's a disco. That was a big disco in the day. Big deal. Um, then he then he did a bodyguard gig for about ten years. What's interesting is that, and he adopted along the way something he'd seen in National Geographic's a Mandingo African style hairdo in this period. Uh, very distinctive. Very uh, creating a persona for himself. His main career started in the 1980s when he was discovered by Stil Sylvester Stallone for the Rocky III film, which he, he was going to have just a few lines. And after they were to, got together, they beefed up his character and uh, he became a major uh, supporting role in that St Stallone picture. Uh, then he went on to the A-Team TV series from 1983 until 1987. Uh, from his early earnings in some of these things, he invested in Chicago real estate, bought apartment buildings and things. And by the mid 80s, he bought his estate in Lake Forest. His living locally made national news in 1987 when he began cutting down all the trees on his historic 1910 estate, 60 year old lakes, uh, oak trees. They had been laid out and planted by master landscaper Jens Jensen, famous for his Chicago West Side Parks and other landscapes. And he did about 40 landscapes and, and private estates in Lake Forest and Lake Bluff. So he was very well known. And this was like a Druid's paradise, you know, tree worshippers paradise, this place. So he cut those all down. So what was the backstory of this? It's why would somebody buy a fancy estate, beautiful house, and chop down the trees. What happened was that Mr. T, when he got there, wanted privacy. He was a big television personality. People, apparently people were just wandering onto his place after he moved in. Uh, that didn't make him real happy. Um, so he erected a large, at the, at the street on Green Bay Road, he was on the east side of Green Bay Road, a couple few blocks south of um, Deer Path. And he erected a great big fence on Green Bay Road which, you know, there's a lot of fences in Lake Forest, were then, still are today, but right. he painted it all white. Ah. Um, there aren't very many white board fences in Lake Forest. You read about them in Tom Sawyer, but it's not, 
it wasn't re- it wasn't really low profile. It didn't blend in. It didn't harmonize in the neighborhood. So what was the result of his building the fence? Well, probably a couple of neighbors called up the city. The city, somebody got this at the office, you know, hello, you know. Right. That's the thing. We have an issue on uh, South Green Bay Road. We'd like to have somebody address it. So the mistake that happened in the office at the city was instead of bumping this up, up, the, up the, the chain of command, right. When they heard the address on Green Bay Road as a big estate, they sent out, you know, a third level employee in a little uniform, in a little car. Well, I shouldn't belittle it, but I mean, a regular city employee who would go and just tell people, you know, well, you know, you really can't do that. (laughs) So that made them happy. So what happened was that the city sent this guy and he said that and Mr. T as a reaction to this decided well there's no ordinance that says I have to keep all these trees so he proceeded to get a chainsaw at the hardware store come home and start whacking them down well this also prompted notice it got national attention through the media yeah. and he became notorious in a different way than he had been he was already already notorious famous notorious they're yeah they're a little bit the same or something he was trying always his persona was to be kind of you know calling people a fool he, you know you fool pity, pity the fool yeah yeah pity the fool so he was saying the city of lake forest were fools and they couldn't do anything to stop him from cutting down his trees so why was the state so important? Well, the, the state was important because it had been built in 1910, as I said, by one of the major East Coast New York architects, Harry T. Lindeberg, who was in the firm of Aldo and Lindeberg that grew out of uh, McKim, Mead, and White, major East Coast residential architects. They built this beautiful Tudor house, very accurate. Uh, then uh, Lawrence Armour bought it in the teens, it had a fire. David Adler, the best Chicago architect for domestic, then went in, really fixed it all up. Uh, his sister, who was a West Coast interior decorator, she came in, she fixed it all up. There's still, I saw elements in it in the 2000s that were still there. And he, um, the place was phenomenal. It was maintained by the Lawrence Armors probably till mid 20th century, I think pretty much. Lawrence Armour was the cousin, first cousin of J. Ogden Armour, who had the big estate west of Lake Forest. And the Armour Company in that period in the 1910s was um, the second, well, the the Armour family was the second richest after the Rockefellers at that point in history. So this was was a major estate. Um, It's located directly south of the business district between Green Bay Road and Western Avenue, which it runs along the track. So it was highly prominent. You couldn't get to the Inwensia Club from the north except driving by Mr. T's with its white fence and no trees. So this caused a massive stir, um, lots of results. In a comment that was told to me after that by a member a Lake Forest College alum, I was at Lake Forest College, Lake Forest College alum who lived along there, a little bit north of there in a very, at least as elegant, maybe more elegant 
piece of property by David Adler on Green Bay Road. He said, well, you know, yeah. actually, he kind of sympathized with Mr. T, you know, because if, if it had been him, they would have invited, what would have happened is the mayor would have, if it had been this guy that was class of 1928, elderly guy, big estate, big taxpayer, let's put it that way. If the city had caught this, they would have said, they would have sent it to the mayor. The mayor would have invited him next Saturday to lunch at the Enwensia Club. They would have had a nice meal, a nice conversation. At the end of the meeting, the mayor would have probably suggested that he might feel more comfortable if he altered his fence to not be quite so inharmonious. Maybe put up something natural, wood, or you know, think of something different, but nothing, nothing too different, but, you know, just tone it down a little bit. Very respectful, very polite in the best tradition. And he said, this is how anybody else who lived along Green Bay Road would have been treated. And Mr. T knew this. And so what Mr. T was picking up on very quickly was what has become controversial now is talking about people perceiving soft kind of um, micro prejudice or micro, can't remember the term, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and so he picked up on this and being who he was and not kind of hiding his light under a bushel, he started chopping down all those trees. So then, so what happened? Um, what were the local impacts? First off, after this tree massacre, the city passed a new tree ordinance, which has had the re requiring a permit to remove a healthy, mature tree. Uh, very good. It's protected the forestation of Lake Forest, which is a tree city, has been all through this period. Second, this protected the neighborhoods in town from casual loss of historic trees. It has also had some negative and positive impacts. The building the building change approval boards have sometimes sacrificed historic house facades and things that faces the street to protect old trees. And when there's an old tree in back and somebody wanted to make an addition saying you can't do it there, you have to put it in front. So then the, 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 the historic look of the house is sacrificed for the tree. And one notable Awani Road case was they did this. And then like five years later, the old oak tree went toes up. And it was dead. And the unhistoric addition on the building is still there. It, it also led to what I have personally observed as a few cases of sudden old tree death syndrome um, after removal of a tree is denied. Then it materially becomes very ill and dies after a year or so. Not against the rules to poison a tree. You just can't cut it down. So I call that sudden old tree death syndrome. That's crazy. Um, this is <laughs> Mr. T introduced yeah. how to do a workaround if they couldn't get this. Yeah, tree. yeah, yeah. Uh, it also contributed in a good way to the drive to create a Green Bay Road historic district in the mid-1990s. Uh, in other words, a decade later, they did all the research to create a district. And by 1998, the city of Lake Forest passed a, a preservation ordinance that requires a review of any significant change, building or landscape, uh, to an historic property administered by a new historic preservation commission. So thanks to Mr. T, everybody who's got a big place in one of these historic districts 
a significant place or yeah, insignificant for that matter. If they make a change that's more than just, you know, deadheading your rose bushes, they kind of have to go in. Uh, this is sort of a joke in, in Winnetka where they, they make fun of Lake Forest because we have all these ordinances and things, but um, it's part of our DNA now. Uh, it's gone on since 1998. Another thing was that the building itself, uh, the house that he had and the landscape were purchased by investors. Investors then hired Michael Bresman, uh, an, an, an architect up here on the North Shore, to redo the building, to make some additions, to clean it up, spruce it up after kind of a decade of not, of, of not very good maintenance. Uh, Mr. T kind of lost his interest yeah. and then became ill. So uh, the, the investors also planted new forests, new trees. And so after now almost 20 years, that landscape is again pretty mature. So it actually, because those trees were getting old in 1987, 87. and Mr. T cut them all down and then they replanted it. It probably looks better today than it would have if they just let these trees go slowly die like they've done in other places in town. And you ended up with sort of a scattered header, you know, messed up landscape. Yeah. So it, he actually, the estate did not really suffer from what he did. And it's been owned for by a family that came from England and thought it was cheap the way they could buy it here um, for quite a while. But then um, I think it's on the market at this time. And it's now... It, it Standard. It just sold. Oh, did it sell? Great. Okay. Yeah, five well, five million. Five million. It's a bargain. I mean, for anybody <laughs> outside of you know the Chicago area, especially people coming from you know the West Coast or the East Coast, five million is like you know a cottage out there. You can say that uh, it's in perfect shape now, and a lot of work's been done. So, what happened? Why did Mr. T leave? He got cancer and was diagnosed with cancer in 1995. That meant he couldn't work for a while. Yeah. He was a pretty active TV personality, did lots of commercials, did lots of different kinds of shows. I'm not an expert on all the stuff that's on TV, but he was definitely involved in all that stuff. And right. so he was doing well, but then he wasn't doing well. So he backed out of the property. Um, he's gone on, however, to to beat it. He beat the cancer, went into remission, actually did a, he he'd earlier done an, an autobiography. I think in the eighties, he did an autobiography, but then he did another book, but he never got it published about beating cancer um, in his style, talking about how, you know, yeah. he was tougher than cancer and got it licked. <laughs> he was pretty good. So the question is now the question becomes, see if you think I'm on the right track or not. I may be all wrong about this, but I'm sort of suggesting that uh, it's an interesting question in given the recent controversies nationally in, and locally. Nationally, the topic of critical race theory or race and stuff has been on the, in the editorial pages this last week of both the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. Uh, this is, people are percolating about this on a national basis, locally, there's been a lot of trouble about people wanting to impact what's taught. People worry on the North Shore about this critical race theory and what it, what it means. I feel bad about 
little kids, especially, you know, like grade school kids, getting hammered into them something about too much about prejudice. Because I just don't think that's the right time to learn about all of that. It's maybe yeah. the right time to learn a little bit about history, but it may not be the time to bring it home to them that it's their fault, you know, that they that these things have happened. However, it it is interesting that it brings it up and it points out Mr. T was sort of like a canary in the mine about yeah. some of these issues coming up. He adopted this persona um, ahead of the rappers and everything like that. He, 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 in the early 80s, ahead of rap music, was adopting yeah. a name that was, you know, kind of different. He was adopting a, 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 an appearance, a manner uh, that he carried over from program to program, um, movie to, to different films, to different television programs and stuff, series, and then uh, re reality shows and things like that. So he was um, really something that was ahead of its time. At the same time, you could say that Lake Forest and just like New York suburbs of the similar yeah. type is probably not exactly, well, we, it's safe to say it's not ahead of the curve on some social issues without being too offensive to people. And the, the New York Times did write this last Sunday, um, not specifically about this issue indirectly, but they pointed out that in the, in the editorial in the Sunday Times that the feds are now going to put a whole bunch of money into commuter line railroads. We're served by a couple different lines. Lake Forest is special because it's got two different commuter lines going through. It's got the North Line that goes from um, the Ogilvy Center, and it's got a Union Station Milwaukee Road line that goes out in West Lake Forest. That what this represents the the uh, New York Times is saying is this is a subsidy for bet more well-off people. This is subsidizing yeah. them. And at the same time, these towns like Lake Forest, and I'm an I'm a card-carrying Lake Forest Preservation Foundation member, we are somewhat restrictive about not wanting to have multifamily buildings. There's controversy right now. There's been controversy about building um, a third phase of the McKinley Road successful condo convert, you know, condo buildings. Yeah. Is a third one to be built. This is not what you'd call low-income housing. Basically, the basic shell that you buy is worth about a million, and then you decorate it for another million. So we're talking about $2 million condos, which are not really what you'd call affordable housing, except maybe in California or New York City and Manhattan. And we're, we're nervous about that. Um, we're built, the city is building, it has some bungalows in Westlake Forest that are affordable housing. They have, they are building some more affordable housing. The, the difficulty is what their point is, is that it's not very it's not very easy for, shall we say, diverse populations to move into these communities where there is more reasonable rental capacity in multi-family buildings. Um, and that this is, really you're you're putting you're making the the transportation available but you're not letting people live there so i think they've raised an interesting question to think about the problem that we have when we look at the the history of the town is you know what what do we do about all of this and it, 
I'm only bringing this up really to highlight the ability of, of local, I'm, I'm really highlighting the ability of local, in local history to highlight and bring up and illuminate some of these issues, to bring home in a direct way heritages that involve discrimination, but don't do it in a personal way that attack individuals or attack, and it's not happening because it's history. It's not happening. Yeah. I'm not saying you're prejudiced. You're not saying I'm prejudiced, or I'm not saying I'm better than you. You're better than me. But if we look at some of these patterns as they've evolved over time, I'd like to think, see, I like to think if Mr. T had moved into Lake Forest now, after some sensitizing that has gone on since 1985, that we would see more of a sensitivity at the city level and in the neighbors to do, uh, for instance, I know of, a, of another case where not an African-American family, but a, a family that was not native born, didn't speak English native born, right, right. bought an, a, a valuable property and put up, started, had a fence put up and then started to paint it white. The neighbor just went across the street and met with the parties and said, this isn't really the way we do it. If you look along here, there are no white fences. You'd fit in a lot better. Nobody, you wouldn't cause, pull a t cause a the wrong kind of attention to yourself if you didn't do that. And they, they went about changing that at that point. It may not sound like great social progress, you know, yeah. in terms of the, the history of America or something like that. But it means we're, we're more sensitive to outsiders and to getting, helping people fit into the community than we might have been a quarter of a century ago or a third of a century ago. Yeah. I love history that celebrates our colorful and his heritage and Lake Forest's very worthy past. I'm one of the chief cheerleaders for that. But at the same time, I think it's worth noticing that, you know, there are areas where we could still make progress. And the best way to see that is to look at the past, learn from things that have gone on, try to see if we can track progress and see how that we do that. That I don't think that's threatening to anybody. And I think, I think we have to be careful, um, especially with the very youngest. We don't want to do negative things for, for very youngest um, kids and stuff like that. Yeah. So I grew up in Michigan, old New England background, father, first generation Dutch mother. So my dad came home from work every night and had a different dumb Dutchman story for my mother. And she would go, oh, you know, geez. You know. So some of this kind of stuff used to be funny. It's not yeah. funny anymore. Uh, people have to be careful. They're more sensitive about their background. They're more proud of their background. The, earlier in the 20th century, there was tremendous pressure to assimilate. When you came to this country, you didn't want to look like somebody else. You know, so if, so if you were from, say, the Netherlands, like my mother's family, you or could the blend, Irish, or the Irish, you could blend in and look like you were John D. Rockefeller if you dressed like John D. Rockefeller, you lived in a house, maybe not as big as John D. Rockefeller's, but the same style as John D. Rockefeller's. You drove a car like John D. Rockefeller's or as good a car as people could assimilate and be successful like my grandparents were. This is harder for people of 
different colors, people, black and brown people. And even though they just, they don't blend in. Now, Mr. T was not trying to blend in. We have to be fair about that. He was in your face. And I think probably people that would move to Lake Forest today and buy a big estate, and there've been a couple, and they've quietly blended in and we don't notice them. And that's the way they want it, you know? Yeah. So I think we can see by looking at the past better, what are some ways ahead? Now, some people are saying that that's also critical race theory. And I guess there's gradations in critical race. The New York Times was saying, some people are thinking that that, just talking about the history, just talking about trying to bring up a more diverse kind of history, talk about things like that massacre that happened out in Tulsa, you know, and I've been through Tulsa. I didn't know about any massacre. I read a novel, finally, maybe within the last 10 years by uh, Dennis Lahan that has a passage, it has a section in it about that massacre. That's the first I ever heard of it. So, I mean, and I studied history, you know. So it was 1921, 300 people were killed by the white population of the town. They just swept through the town, burned down their whole business district, which was called the Black Wall Street, and killed hundreds, you know. So I never knew about it. Uh, Not that I can do anything about it. It already happened long ago. I mean, it's not my fault. Ancestor who fought for the Union in the Civil War, but, you know, I haven't done much myself to make things better for people, really. I'm just saying, Mr. T is a a good and not good example. He was kind of ahead of his time. If he'd moved any place in the United States and bought a fancy estate, he probably would have gotten into trouble. Today, he helped, though, sensitize probably people here and elsewhere because this went everywhere to be more um, to, to basically have your ordinances in place in the first place about what your expectations are to make them clear and then to um, to be more sensitive about how you approach it. So, so if Mr. T, Mr. T wasn't around, would the Preservation Society be around? Yeah, it was earlier. It was earlier. Okay. That happened. It came out of when all the architects were going to school at like IIT or places where they were teaching modernism. Modernism's idea of a building is that it should be pretty much self-referential. And Lake Forest had always been in terms of harmonious development. So you, you were trying to fit in. So there was a conflict between modernism and traditional architecture. And so by the 60s, they had a building review board. By the 70s, there was a private preservation foundation lobbying for not not saying it can't have any change, just make sure that it's it fits in. That's all. Well, here's what I remember, Art, from my history growing up in Chicago. Mr. T, he was a he was a bouncer at a lot of places. Dingbats he was most famous for. Yeah. And back then we didn't have cable, so you would have these weird shows on ABCs. And I think he was on the world's toughest bouncer competition. Yes, that's how he that's where Stallone saw him. That's where he saw him, right. And I was a bouncer at Mother's. Now, this was after Mr. T was down there, but they were still talking about, oh, man, you see him in Rocky. Oh, well, he used to work here. But, you know, you hear yeah. all those stories. Well, he was legendary. Right. Yeah. And they said that gold around his neck. I don't know if it's true or not, but they're supposed to represent each piece of gold. is supposed to represent chains, you know, from slavery or whatever. And he, you're always a slave to somebody, but at least these chains 
were worth money. And I think back then it was 40 grand around his neck. Now it's probably worth 400, $500,000. But I thought that was interesting. And then he moved into Lake Forest. And <laughs> the story, story that I heard was, well, he was allergic to the tree. So he's like, all right, I'm gonna, you know. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever. Yeah. No, he, uh, he, got, he got disrespected, to use the term, yeah. in a big way. Yes. Yeah, he, he was dissed. dissed. Okay. He was dissed. Yep. Um, you know, about his chains, that comes up in his story. Um, he went and after the big flood in 2005 in New Orleans, he went down there and helped actually helped rebuild, you know, and get people yeah. dried out and everything. And after that, he took his gold chains off because he said he saw so many people that didn't have stuff and that it was right. almost disrespectful of them to flash a bunch of gold. And he just didn't feel right about it after that. It's interesting. He, he evolved too. He, he went from trying to make a big impression of himself to maybe trying to be a little less, he, he wanted to be sure that he wasn't doing that. He was trying to say something to maybe to the majority population, but he was having maybe a negative effect on the uh, minority population. Well, he came from Robert Taylor Holmes, which wasn't far from Cabrini Greens. Cabrini Greens, if anybody's ever seen Good Times. Yeah. <laughs> there, 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 there it is. Those, I mean, those talk- places, they, they made fun of them, but they weren't very funny. They well, no, what's not funny is if you want critical race theory art, drop me and you off back then, all right, and leave us alone there, and you'll, you'll get taught a lesson pretty quick, which people don't understand. Right. Uh, but, but, but for, you know, Lawrence to, to wrestle, to make something out of himself, you know, he took his opportunity, and then he wanted a better life for his family in Lake Forest. And, then, and he invested, by that time, he had also invested, see? He was an yeah. entrepreneur. He was investing money. So he did I, after that, that's when he bought his estate. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's American story. It's not a pretty story. Nobody likes to see how the sausage is made, but. But his, he was exactly the same as everybody else that came to Lake Forest from 1859 to 1987. Um, they made a pile of money in Chicago and in their field. Yep. And then they wanted a little privacy to live nice and to have room. And he moved out here. No different than anybody else. Except he looked different. And his persona he'd created was very different. Art, like you said, Lake Forest is populated with a bunch of uh, people that know they're right. I think you're the one that said that, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And there you go. That's right. Yeah. So the it's called the Two Gables Estate. Yes. Uh, and I just looked at my notes. The patch guy is going to be, that's why he wanted, this is incredible timing. We're doing this oh, wow. show. Okay. Yeah. And, and he wants to get a quote from, from you on it. So. Okay. All right. Great. Uh, do, do we leave anything else? Uh, anything else you want to add here, Art? Pretty good show. Well, no, I'm too preachy about it. But I think it, it is a really interesting, fascinating story that there was even there was mixed opinions at the time. Some people were mad at Mr. T. Some people thought he'd been done wrong, you know, yeah. and people on in, that it were his economic peers, you know, thought that he wasn't really treated right. And so what, uh, it was interesting. What would happen now if an African-American came into town, bought a house and cut down the trees again? What would happen? I mean, well, just, 
first, probably the realtor would make sure that they knew something about the ordinances, the local ordinances, if yeah. they were in the districts, they would get some information about it. And they probably would be smart enough to do due diligence. Most people do due diligence before they buy these places. So they kind of know what they can do and what they can't do. Um, but they would pretty quickly get the vibe that you want to make big changes to your place. You got to go see the city. That would be whether you're, whatever your background is. You know? Right, right. But I do know that, that, that at least as big of an estate as this, as this was purchased by a financial guy from Chicago, African-American, not a ripple, not a ripple. Yeah. Well, Art, I'm just, I'm still curious, even if they had all that information, they cut down the trees, what would happen? Uh, they would get invited, maybe not to the Inwensia Club. They'd probably yeah. get invited to the Deer Path. The uh, Popo Club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they would get a nice lunch and they would make they would start to find out how what they had in common with the mayor of lake forest and he would then he he would do everything he might not invite him to an Wincia. that would be true. yeah but okay they so there'd be re repercussions get the treatment they would get the treatment i think today they would not i don't think they would get just some little guy bouncing up in a chevrolet of a few years ago <laughs> with a city decal on the side you know <laughs> Driving a little Ferentino's car. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Another great show. Thank you for our class again. Thanks for Thank listening you. to the Lake Forest Podcast. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you like to hear about on the upcoming shows. Again, I'm Pete and can be reached at Pete at LakeForestPodcast.com. The link will be in the podcast notes below. On behalf of my co-host, Arthur Miller. We thank you for listening. Our class is now over. Hear the bell, cue the band. <laughs>